Welcome to Ask an Ex-Mormon Therapist. This is your host, Jenny Morrow, and I'm excited to be back for another episode. Today, we're going to be hearing from a man who has never been Mormon and is dating an ex-Mormon and has some great questions about alcohol use. So I'm actually really excited about answering this letter. It's been in the queue for a couple of months, and I've been feeling kind of antsy to answer it. I've been feeling excited about it, and I also wanted some support on this letter because I have not a lot of experience personally with alcohol use, though I will talk a little bit about alcohol use in my dating life when I first became an ex-Mormon, so I'll talk a little bit about that. But I also wanted to bring on someone who had some more experience, and so luckily there was someone close to home. He's actually in my home. So I invited my partner, Bryce, who is a sober coach and interventionist and has a lot of experience in the treatment field to join me today. And so I, I'm going to have him introduce himself. So Bryce, will you go and tell us a little bit more about you and how you got involved in the treatment field and your experience with, with alcohol and drug use and treatment? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Jenny. I started using at a really young age. I was about 13 when I started smoking pot and, and drinking and moved on to harder substances. And by the time I was a freshman in college, I had totally lost control. And after my own intervention, I attended a wilderness therapy program and knew that I wanted to come back and work in this field. So I started working at a wilderness therapy program in Southern Utah about seven years ago. And and now I'm an interventionist and sober coach. So I've learned quite a bit over the years through my personal experience working in the field with lots of professionals. And this is my passion. This is what I like to talk about for a living. So I'm glad that you had me on. Yay. Thanks, Bryce. I'm really excited you're here. So if anyone's looking to get more information on Bryce, his name is Bryce Bauer. And tell tell people where they can find you. Well, you'll probably have to spell that because most people can't get it right. It's B-R-Y-C-E-B-A-U-E-R.com is my website. And you'll find a lot more information on there and my contact info. Yeah, and Bryce also has a podcast he has started as well called Raising the Bottom. So check it out. It's actually really cool. So um, welcome, Bryce. It's good to be here. So I'm going to go ahead and read through the letter first, and then I'm going to ask some questions, and we'll get the discussion going. Does that sound good to you? Sounds good. Okay, so this is the the letter. comes from Never Mormon. Hello, Ms. Morrow. I feel a little apprehensive messaging. From my small Google searches related to what I want to ask about, forum posts seem to be fairly limited, and the fact that you say you are a licensed therapist helps me feel better. I am a declared atheist, 26 and male, since about high school, who has been dating a woman, 28 and female, for the last couple months that left the Mormon faith five years ago. The time with her has been amazing, with one difficult problem she is attempting to deal with. I drink beer, and she does not. To explain it better, I drink socially, responsibly, and maybe three times a week. She has seen me drink responsibly, safely, and calmly several times. Since she has left the faith, she's encountered more than one dangerous or neglectful alcoholic partner and or friend, which understandably scared her away from ever wanting to try alcohol on her own. We met online with descriptors for drinking preferences shared, and I am completely okay with this. She thought she would be okay with my half. Recently, she has shared she feels stressed, worried, and afraid whenever she has known I've been out with friends drinking. 
We've had a very meaningful conversation before about all of this when it first came up. Much of her fear is the mental use or desire of alcohol as a numbing agent to hide from problems and emotionally shutting her out. I have never done this in my life, have shared this, and told her I would never do that to her. I am not sure what I'm looking for, anecdotes or words of wisdom from an ex-Mormon, guidance on showing an ex-Mormon that social drinking is not a life-ending habit. I don't know. At the very least, I wonder if you could help me understand maybe some of the thought process behind the fear that she admits is irrational, or what tenets still affect ex-Mormons most from their upbringing. I grew up in a slightly Mormon part of my hometown, but much of it is still a mystery to me. Thank you, Never Mormon. So thank you so much, Never Mormon, for writing in, for being brave to put yourself out there on a forum where your letter was going to be read out loud and where the podcast would be listened to by lots of people. So I just feel really glad that you wrote in about this. There's a lot of ex-Mormons who are trying to figure out this question, which is, you know, is alcohol safe? Is it unsafe? How much is it safe? Um, What do I really want in terms of alcohol use in my life? for myself and what's okay in terms of alcohol use in my partner's lives and how do I want to raise my children around the idea of alcohol. I mean, there's so many questions for Mormons because for those of us who were involved in the religion, we just didn't, alcohol was just like a non-thing. We didn't use it at all and so we didn't have to ask questions about it. And when people leave, they're suddenly wondering what's the truth about alcohol? How does it really impact me? How does it really impact my relationships? How does it impact my health? How does it impact my social life? How does it impact all these things? So I just love that you've written this in because I feel like your letter will help a lot of people as they're sorting these questions out. So Bryce and I both have a fair amount of opinions on the topic for different reasons and from our own experiences. And we're just going to talk real candidly about our own perspectives and how how we both feel about it. So there's not a lot of detail in this letter. Nevermore, when you, you don't tell us how much you drink when you go out. And so we don't have a ton of information, but we're going to talk about our our thoughts and perspectives and try to make space for different levels of alcohol use and what that might look like. And we're going to talk about it from that angle. Okay, so as I was reading through this letter, the first thing that struck me was when he just got into it better. You know, he said, never Mormon, you say to explain it better. I drink socially, responsibly, and maybe three times a week. She has seen me drink responsibly, safely, and calmly several times. So when I first read that, my feeling was like, what does that mean? I have no idea how much you're drinking. I have, I have no idea what that means. So there's a part of me that just felt really curious. Um, so I'm going to turn this question over to Bryce and ask him to share a little bit more about alcohol use and social drinking and his perspective on that. Yeah, and before I do that, I think it's important to relate with the the writer and say that I was raised in a non-religious household, and I don't have any preconceived notions about alcohol use, really, other than my own experience. I have friends who drink. I'm perfectly comfortable in drinking situations, being around people that are drunk, although I don't drink. uh, It doesn't fit into my lifestyle. I don't have any superstitious beliefs around substances. And as far as the question of drinking socially, it's hard to say. I think people can throw that word around. I I work with alcoholics who say they drink socially and they might drink almost every day and remain drunk throughout the day and it's social because they're just they just happen to be around people. 
there's also people that drink one or two drinks when they go out to eat at night a couple times a week. And they also say that they drink socially. So it's hard to say where you fall on that spectrum. But I think people do like numbers and the Department of Health recognizes that 0.08 is considered intoxicated. So if you're operating under 0.08, which is four or less drinks in a night or in a day, then that would be considered moderate drinking and anything above would be alcohol abuse. So I wanted to plant that flag where where everyone can see it. Yeah, that feels helpful as you say that, Bryce, because in my own experience, when somebody says they're drinking socially and responsibly, that can mean a lot of things. You know, they may be drinking four or five or six drinks in a night and they have maybe a designated driver. So it's, it's quote, responsible, but it still is, is impacting their own brain, their own psyche, how they're relating to people, how they then show up and relate to their own partner that night. So, so yeah, that feels really important to talk about that because I think you're right. Like for someone to go out and have one, maybe two beers with dinner a couple of times a week is going to be really different than someone going out with friends and having, having four or five or six drinks at a time. Yeah. And I think more importantly than that is anytime you're bumping up against something hard in a relationship, it's a two way street. And my feeling in reading this letter was that, no, I'm doing something that should have no effect and she's bothered. And how can you, what information can I give her to have her not be bothered? And I'm not really sure where your part lies in this, but there definitely is a part, whether it be the amount that you drink or your attitude around addressing it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I actually had the same thought pop up for me. And I also wondered if part of it was if there was some difficulty with emotional connection somewhere in the relationship in general, whether it had to do with alcohol or not. So if you're only drinking one or two beers a couple times a week, that may not be what's causing the problem. Um, In my own dating relationship experiences, one of the things that I found that was kind of interesting was um, I remember when I left Mormonism and there was one particular man that I dated for, for a few months. And he wouldn't drink much at all. One, maybe two drinks when we'd go out. And I also found that on hard nights, he would drink a little bit more and he just wasn't as present. I don't know how to describe it. I remember thinking like his alcohol use didn't bother me in the beginning for the first couple months. But then when I started to see him sometimes use it as a crutch, it started to bother me. And so, yeah, so there, you know, kind of like Bryce is saying, there may be a part you have that would also need to be looked at this in terms of the relationship itself. And I'd also be curious, well, let's actually go on to the next part. You mentioned that since she's left the faith, she encountered more than one dangerous or neglectful alcoholic partner and or friend, which understandably scared her away from ever wanting to try alcohol on her own. So yeah, my thought is, again, there's such a range People can be dangerous and neglectful on one end, like it can be real extreme. And on the other end, they can be having like a real negligible amount of alcohol real rarely and it doesn't really affect anything. And then there's all this space in between. So I don't know, any other thoughts for you on that part? Yeah, I think also not to put everything in one person's corner, it makes total sense if she's having trouble dealing with some of your drinking if she's had if she's had bad experiences in the past. So anytime this comes up and there's a roadblock that it seems like 
you can't get over. I think professional help is is always best. And regardless of, of how much you drink, because if it's not affecting your life, your finances, um, your relationships with your family, it's at least affecting the relationship with your girlfriend. And if it's worth it to you to make it better and find some common ground, it's worth getting some professional help. Because in my experience, issues like this don't really go away. Yeah. So you're talking about professional help for the relationship itself. For the yeah. two of them. Yeah, I'd agree. So, um, great. So you talked about that you'd met online with descriptors for drinking preferences and you were completely okay with this. So you were completely okay with her not drinking. Um, and she thought she would be okay with my half. So yeah, I am curious why she thought she would be and then why the change. I'm curious how much of that is her own fears and how much of that is something in reality that's got her spooked about the situation between the two of you. So, um, yeah, that's where maybe going in and having someone to talk to about this, where the two of you really are laying it all out together in front of someone could be really, really helpful. And even though it's only been a few months, I'm kind of with Bryce that if you hit a a road bump, even if it's early on, if you think there's potential in the relationship and it really is an amazing relationship, then there's no harm in going and getting support to work through something. Yeah. And I think it's also important to, to mention I noticed that you said that she's worried that you're using alcohol to numb and alcohol is a a neurotoxin and a drug and a depressant. So even if you might feel more emotionally open when you're drinking, when anyone's drinking, it is numbing the brain and the body. And on another level, keeping in mind that, that I would also call myself an atheist, I think that there's, that it does block connection to, to self and others. And I think there's quite a bit of science to back that up. So if she's feeling a loss of connection, but you're feeling great, I think that's a pretty common experience when one person is drinking and the other isn't. There's definitely two different realities butting heads with each other. So, and for all of those other, you know, for all the ex-Mormons out there who are listening to this, one of the other things I noticed was you said that she's having experiences with people who haven't been able to drink responsibly and safely and all of that, that she's encountered, you know, dangerous or neglectful partners or friends. And so it scared her away from ever wanting to try it on her own. So I get that. And, you know, she doesn't ever need to try it on her own. She, she may or may not. But in my own experience, I actually was surprised to find out how much alcohol did impact me. I mean, on one level, I was scared to even take a sip because I was like, ah, I don't want to become, you know, an addict or anything. But by the time I left Mormonism, I had worked with addiction enough to know that addiction is, you know, it's a, it's an issue of emotional numbing and it's a response to not knowing how to cope with certain problems. So I wasn't, by the time I left Mormonism, I wasn't too afraid to try alcohol. But one of the things that was interesting for me is, is I found that for me, I can get feeling a little tipsy on less than one drink. And I'm a small person, so that is not the case for everyone. I also think I may have actually some kind of a reaction to alcohol because sometimes I'll get real tipsy on less than one drink and start to feel real dizzy. But yeah, so I guess my thought here being like, Alcohol does have an impact on our brain, and it can have an impact pretty quickly. So one or two drinks, again, the frequency and how much you're ingesting is going to have a a big impact on what's happening in the brain. Okay, so recently she has shared she feels stressed, worried, and afraid whenever she has known I've been out with friends drinking. So again, I just have a lot of curiosity that pops up because I want to know more about why she's feeling that way. 
So I don't know any other thoughts for you, Bryce. Well, it can make sense that someone's worried and it can also be irrational because if you look at how many people are involved in vehicular accidents and violence, it can make sense that she's worried even if you're not drinking a whole lot because the environments that people go to drink often incur violence. I don't know if you've if you're a bar goer, but um, there's a reason why there are bouncers there because people can often lose control. And it's just a fact that a lot of accidents happen while people are drinking when they're not in full control of themselves from vehicular accidents to, to fighting. Great. So, and you know, as, as we're sharing these again, this may not be something you may be like, I never get violent. I'm just not in those situations. I don't drink enough to be intoxicated. So I'm not getting an accident. I just have a beer. So this, you know, Bryce and I are making some assumptions here. We don't know exactly what your alcohol frequency use is, nor do we know for sure what environments you're in when you're drinking. So we're just making some assumptions. And part of that is so that this podcast can help a lot of people if you're listening it can help you just start to identify, you know, how do I know if I'm if I'm using alcohol really truly in a safe way and in a healthy way and how do I know if I'm not using it in a safe way or in a healthy way. Yeah, and one thing that popped up for me is in my own life I definitely want to be prepared for anything that comes up and be that something with my relationship or my ability to respond to a life situation and the reality is that you can't be fully ready if you're not fully there. In my experience dating people that drink even a little bit, it has seemed like we would get into more arguments and find less resolution when she was drinking. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I I like that because, you know, one of the things that Bryce and I have talked about in our own relationship is having a relationship free from any kind of addiction. And that would include substance use, that would include food addictions, that would include like anything that's out of balance that keeps us from being present to ourselves and then present to each other and to the relationship and what we're working to build. And like we're not perfect at things, I would say. Like we have things that we lean on to like deal with things still. But I think there's an intention there for both of us to be more and more present. And that creates a lot of power in a relationship. So again, you get to decide what kind of relationship matters to you. And you may feel like, I want a a relationship where I can go out with friends and have three to five beers three times a week. And you may or may not be as present because of that. And you may want to find a relationship that doesn't require that that level of, of presence. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It just gets to be a decision you make. And she gets to decide, you know, as she's having this experience with you, is he less available or is he as available? Is it making a difference at all? So one of the things Bryce and I wanted to talk a little bit about is how alcohol does or doesn't impact our health. So even though even though Never Mormon didn't ask about that, so I acknowledge that I'm not answering one of your questions here. We did want to branch off into that for just a moment because all of these pieces really are so connected. And again, for all of those listening, a lot of you are ex-Mormon or post-Mormon and you are trying to assess how does alcohol impact health. So I'm kind of curious, Bryce, what thoughts do you have on how, imp- how alcohol does or doesn't impact health? Does it impact our health? 
Yeah, I, I wanted, I was laughing because I think as I'm thinking about ex-Mormon sitting there listening and he's just getting hit hard with some with some information and we're really digging down deep into this and I would like to address why we're even on this topic in the first place and that is because I think everything is connected. I think that health is connected to relationships and I think relationships are connected to how we feel about ourselves and then back around to health. Yes, alcohol definitely impacts health and I'm going to make a whole bunch of assumptions here. I think there's a good chance I'll hit the nail on the head, but if I'm off, um, take what you want and leave the rest. So first off, I think looking at the environment that people typically drink in is really important. People typically drink later in the night, also eat later in the night because alcohol increases appetite. So you throw all this together and you often end up with a situation where people are drinking and eating and absorbing tons of carbs and calories and sugars late into the night, then alcohol doesn't allow you to fully go into REM sleep. So you're typically not waking up feeling fully rested. This rolls into the next day. You're waking up more dehydrated, often very hungry in the mornings, very thirsty, and you spend the first part of the day recovering. Granted, this is decided by how much you drank in the previous night, but even a few drinks will have a pretty profound effect on your sleep and your digestion and your all-around psyche. Thanks, Bryce. So that feels helpful just to to hear as you're talking about it. There's things I don't even think about. It's easy for us to look at our habits as like compartmentalized things that don't impact each other. And so it is helpful to just realize Again, that there is a kind of impact and look at if I am drinking, how is it impacting all of these different aspects of my life? And so, yeah, thanks for acknowledging that. Yeah, and as I'm as I'm talking, it's hard to to not make this feel like like a guilt trip and I think being aware of the decisions that we make is is the way to progress in life and looking at the people we're around and I've been in bars and I look around and I don't see people that are the epitome of health. And when I walk in the gym, I see people that are that are healthy and healthy habits create healthy lives, which are connected to relationships, which are connected to how we feel about ourselves. And the list goes on. But I can honestly say that alcohol is that substances are going to hold people back from a lot of different angles. So is there any angle in which drinking would actually be healthy? That's a tough question. You can Google that and you'll get a few different answers. This is more as a joke, but I think that the only study that's ever come out that says that alcohol can be healthy is for women over 50 drinking one glass of red wine a day. I think there's some evidence for that. Otherwise, you're mainly ingesting a lot of carbs and a lot of sugars and there are no health benefits. Great. Thanks. Okay, so let's get to the last part of this letter here. So you asked, you know, you said here, I'm not sure what I'm looking for. So Bryce and I have just kind of gone off on our own ideas with this letter. We've just shared our own thoughts. We haven't necessarily addressed a specific question. And so I hope that something in all of that gives you something to take that might be helpful in terms of your relationship. Um, you did ask for some anecdotes or words of wisdom from an ex-Mormon. 
So those are some words of wisdom from me and from Bryce who I wanted to have join me today. And you said, guidance on showing an ex-Mormon that social drinking is not a life-ending habit, but in terms of, of really being able to live out the kind of life that you want to live, again, I'm such a believer in consciously making our decisions. And so that's what you get to look at is, is this a conscious decision for me right now? It, why do I want to be drinking with friends three times a week? What is it doing for me? What is it doing for my health? What is it doing for my dreams and my goals? And if it's helping you reach those things, then, you know, then honor that and take that into account. And in that case, you may need a relationship that supports that. If it's, if it's not, if it's kind of neutral or if it's not really helping you reach your dreams and goals, your goals for, for health and your goals for connection, then, you know, be really honest about that. And it may be, um, maybe a little mix of both. I don't know. So I guess it's just something to really let yourself look at honestly and decide, you know, this may not be affecting me much. And what I, the other thing I find, and I've seen this a lot since meeting Bryce and being in more circles where people are sometimes using alcohol or some kind of substance, is that it, it's like so normal in a lot of places. And it's normal in a way where it's like nobody's talking about how it's impacting each other. Yeah, yeah, I feel pretty strongly about this after making the decision to quit using drugs and alcohol. And for some reason, they're always put in two different categories. When when alcohol is absolutely a drug, the the legality of it has has changed people's conception of it. But if people were going out and just using a little bit of heroin in a safe amount, using it responsibly, and only smoking it, it would have a similar effect on the body and the brain, but that would be looked at as crazy. And you would definitely be considered a drug addict. But when a neurotoxin is ingested a few times a week, it's it's just normal behavior. And I think it is normal behavior. And I don't ever want to put anything into the good or bad category. But I think Jenny brought up a good point. When you really look at the decisions that you're making, are they helping or hurting you? And that is a good basis for for every every event in our life and everything that we do. And I definitely want to move on to what your girlfriend may be thinking. And hopefully you haven't turned off the podcast by now because there's been <laughs> this probably isn't what you wanted to hear, but this is my honest opinion about it. And I think it takes a lot of courage to to write the letter and send it in and you obviously care enough about this situation and this relationship to ask for feedback and help. Okay, so let's loop it around and finish with talking about the last thing that you asked about Never Mormon, which is, I wonder if you could help me understand maybe some of the thought process behind the fear. And so you, she is not here. She didn't write the letter. I know very little about why she's having this fear pop up. I do sense that there's something triggering up the fear. She's seeing something, hearing something, experiencing something. It may be irrational. It may be getting blown out of proportion on some level. And it may be that there is some truth to her fear in terms of what she's wanting in her life, in terms of connection. And she may be feeling a little bit of a void or lack and not quite sure what it is. And maybe it's the alcohol on some level. Maybe it's, again, something else. One of the things that... I am really passionate about in my work is how to help people have deeply intimate and committed relationships. 
and how to be deeply intimate and committed with our own selves and our own lives, with our own dreams, and then how to integrate that with another person so that we can build something together as well. And so I'm not sure what the thought process is behind her fear. Anything else popping up for you with that, Bryce? Yeah, I was thinking back to my own experiences, not being religious, but of course, having my own ideas about alcohol consumption. And I think it comes back to alcohol because that's something that more people use regularly. And I had a girlfriend that I dated for about a year and a half, and it was pretty serious. And she started off not drinking because I was not drinking, and she wanted to make a healthier life choice, and that was fine by me. And when she started to drink a glass of wine a couple times a week, that was still fine by me. And then it eventually turned into two, three glasses of wine four or five times a week in an occasional late night phone call to come get her because she had drank too much. And when I mean occasional, I mean only every couple of months, but it was still enough to start to really bug me. And my fear with that was that it was going to keep increasing. And even getting a couple phone calls in the middle of the night made me worried whenever she would go out. And so part of my dating decision going forward has been to date someone who doesn't drink or who rarely, rarely drinks because there's just a lot of things that can go wrong. And and yeah, I've, I've just had a bad experience with it. And I don't think, I don't know that many people who have a problem with people not drinking, but it seems like there are quite a few people that have problems in relationships with people that are drinking. And I find that dynamic interesting. Great. I hope that something in there is helpful. I hope that you know, if you do really, really like this girl, if it's an amazing relationship and you see some great potential, what I would suggest is start to invest in learning about relationship work. My perspective is that a lot of conventional, traditional marriages are not very intimate and intimacy takes a lot of showing up. It takes a lot of presence. If your partner wants that or if you want that, what I'd say is invest in learning about relationship work and then, you know, really, really pay attention to how the alcohol impacts that at whatever level you're using it. So sending lots of care. I'm super glad that we were able to record this episode. Again, um, if you're looking to find out more information about Bryce, you can find him at BryceBauer.com. That's B-R-Y-C-E-B-A-U-E-R.com. And he does amazing work for setting up what they call invitational interventions that really help support the process of getting people the support they need. And he's also an amazing sober coach and life coach. So thanks for being on here, Bryce. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate it. I I like this topic and I hope you found it helpful. I think my final thoughts are that I can really relate with being a man and looking around at things that happen in our culture and having thoughts that this is a way a man should act. And it's been really interesting lately in the last couple of years for me to challenge those and think about what do I really want my life to look like? Who do I want to be around? What environment do I want to live within? And yeah, and it's inspiring to to hear other people are, are really questioning this too. I think Never Mormon, you're really scratching the surface on this one. And I hope you continue to to dig deeper. I don't think that you need to go to rehab because you drink three times a week. But this is a big question that a lot of people are looking for answers to. So appreciate the honesty and, and willingness to, to write in and, and listen to the feedback. Here's to lighting up your life, experiencing amazing relationships, and being happier and healthier. Take care.